0: You know, I um, use uh, Amazon's Kindle app on my phone to read books. I don't know if anybody else uses Kindle or the Kindle device or whatever, but I use my phone a lot. And when you read a book on Kindle, um, you can highlight a phrase or a sentence or a paragraph or whatever stands out to you as, as you're reading. And all of what you highlight is compiled on a page so that you can see them later. Now what's interesting is Kindle by Amazon, um, they keep track of those, wouldn't you know? And they track what people highlight the most. And the most highlighted passages and the most highlighted books on Kindle are what they compile. And Amazon's most highlighted lists, I believe is a fascinating read of our culture. It tells what the American culture is reading. Of the top 25 most highlighted passages ever, 19, get this, of the top 25 passages highlighted, 19 come from one of the books in the Hunger Games trilogy. Get this. The single most highlighted passage of all Kindle books read in the United States comes from book number two, Catching Fire of uh, the Hunger Games. And there's a phrase that is highlighted, get this, by almost 18,000 Kindle readers, almost double of any other passage that's highlighted in any other Kindle book. Okay? The phrase is, because sometimes things happen to people and they're not equipped to deal with them. Let's read that again. Because sometimes things happen to people and they're not equipped to deal with them. Now, how many of you would say, I understand that. I believe that. I've experienced that. I'm doing that right now. Right? It's true. There's so many people that have highlighted that. That's the most highlighted passage in Kindle. Now Amazon also records the most highlighted books on Kindle. And wouldn't you, uh, wouldn't you believe it, the, the Bible is the single most highlighted Kindle book of all time. In fact, of all the passages highlighted in the Bible on Kindle, three of the six versions of the Bible that are available on Kindle share the exact same most highlighted passage. It's this, Philippians 4. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's what? Peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So the peace that God gives us floods our heart through the Holy Spirit. It floods our heart. It's our security during difficulty and chaos and crisis. It guards our hearts and our minds. The peace of God is not based on circumstances like the world's peace. So it doesn't always make sense I mean, it, it, it's a supernatural piece, so it can't always be figured out on a human level. And and I got to be honest with you, this is kind of a challenge for a communicator like myself, because it says very clearly it's a piece that cannot be understood or explained. And and it, yet, it's it's my job to help you understand things. And so, you know, I I've seen this kind of piece in the lives of people around me going through times. I've experience this kind of peace. When I have went through difficult times in my life, it's a peace that I know for a fact is supernatural. I know for a fact that it comes from God. I mean, you, you may not have ever known that this kind of peace existed, but when you went through a, a crisis, maybe you experienced this kind of peace that God gives. And it's not that life suddenly becomes better, It's it's that you experience a peace from God that keeps you going even though life is hard. So many people seek peace because we're surrounded by anxiety. I mean, think about the things that create anxiety. I mean, I I know I could get specific, but let's just keep it general, okay? The things that create anxiety in our lives, the unknown creates anxiety, I mean, all of us have things in our lives that we don't know about, the unknown. We don't know how things will turn out. We don't know what's gonna happen. We don't know how things will go. The unlikely creates anxiety. We live in a culture with a 24-hour news cycle all around us. And this information overload creates anxiety in our lives, telling us what's going wrong with our world and then telling us that we can possibly face this today in our lives, right? It's, it's unlikely to happen to us, but it might. So, so beware, <laughs> you know, be, be safe. Don't, don't worry, but it might happen. So many of us worry about things that, that might happen. The uncontrollable is another thing that creates anxiety. Anything outside of our control. Anybody have anything in your life that's outside of your control, like I do? <laughs> And it creates anxiety. Why? Because it's out of my control. If it was in my control, I could make something happen. I could do something. I could change something. But it's out of my control, and I, and I don't like it being out of my control. Most of us are control freaks. I know I'm a control freak. And so, you know, most of the things we face are out of our control, which is kind of interesting. So we feel vulnerable, but we can't really do anything about those things. We can't really change those things. And so, guess what? We face anxiety. And lastly, the unrealistic creates anxiety. I mean, we're not only surrounded by news, we're surrounded by fake news. (laughs) Snopes.com calls it junk news. Headlines like this, Trump urges Twitter followers to boycott Chinese restaurants. I didn't know that. I got to give up my Kung Pao, right? I mean, I I didn't really, or in July of uh, last year, California bans the sale of Manwich in stores because um, of gender neutral naming policies. What a bummer. We can't have Manwich anymore. I didn't know that, right? I'm getting worried. I'm worried about something I enjoy every day. The U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention warned the public about a shipment of Zika contaminated bananas. I didn't know that, just so you know, this is all fake stuff that I'm sharing with you, okay? But I, I get worried when I see that. I go, wow, I'm eating a banana, and I'm thinking, uh, uh, should I be eating this? I eat a banana every day for the potassium. Or what about this one? An Ohio woman was charged by the cerebral police department with slowly eating her husband alive over a period of three years. Slow, Slowly, what is that? I don't know, but you know what I'm saying? A few years ago Facebook got into trouble over not regulating fake news. And a couple of the fake news stories were really interesting that were like top of the charts for Facebook. One headline was weapons-toting clowns go on murderous rampage. And the next day, it was posted on Facebook, Congress passes law authorizing citizens to legalize and shoot and kill all suspicious-looking clowns so listen hey i'm i'm telling you if i see a clown and he's not in a circus I'm, cu- I'm coming if you got a clown suit on in this room you better beware i mean come on right think about this and then get this one here's a headline that 1.6 million people read and i wonder how many of that believed Elderly woman accused of training her 65 cats to steal from neighbors. So, I listen, hey, you see a stray cat in your yard? <gasps> we, 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 all, we all know that there's fake news out there, junk news out there as well. Listen, don't believe everything that's online. Beware of this. Don't believe everything that's on your TV. Beware of this. So many people are seeking peace, and we live in a world that's full of anxiety. Most people's pursuit of peace is only an attempt to get away from problems. Uh, There's a book that I just picked up not too long ago. It's called My Age of Anxiety, written by Scott uh, Stossel, and um, interesting book. He had an online article that grabbed my attention, and that's the reason I picked up the book. Um, He writes about anxiety, and his experience with anxiety, and how he tried to cope with anxiety, and he lists the things that he did, and And the things that he purchased and the things that he went through and experienced trying to deal with anxiety in his life. And here's the list. He gave this list in this article. Individual therapy, family therapy, group therapy, behavioral therapy, acceptance and commitment therapy, massage therapy, hypnosis, meditation, self-help books, acupuncture, yoga, philosophy, and other items ordered from late night infomercials. 21 different prescription medications and a host of over-the-counter medications, beer, wine, gin, bourbon, vodka, scotch, plus a load of other alcohols. And he concludes the article with, here's what worked. Nothing, nothing hmm, and you know Jesus followers are not exempt from this i mean don't don 't ever think that well you know i 'm a jesus follower i shouldn 't be feeling this way. hmm, last I checked you 're also a human being we 're not exempt we 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 face anxiety of circumstances and and the anguish of broken relationships. But you and I can experience a peace that God gives. And that's what today is all about. That's our focus for today. As we continue this series talking about what the Holy Spirit wants to produce in our lives, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5. Take a look at the passage. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Come on, read it with me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we define peace as the absence of conflict, as the absence of problems, as the absence of anxiety. But what does the Apostle Paul have in mind when he writes that word peace, that the Holy Spirit produces peace In our lives. Now, I gotta tell you, I think that Paul was leaning in a certain way. Why? Because he was Jewish and because he was trained in Hebrew. I think he was leaning towards a particular and significant word in the Old Testament, which he, as a Jewish religious leader, would have had most of the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, memorized. And I believe that he was leaning toward a particular word. And to be honest, most of us probably know this word, but we may not really know what it means. It's the Hebrew word shalom. Say that with me, shalom. What it means is completeness or soundness or welfare. The prophet Isaiah declares about God. He says, you, Lord, give true peace to those who depend on you because they trust you. In the purest sense of the word, Shalom means peace in a positive way. Now I emphasize positive way. Peace as something positive given into our lives that's filling our lives. See, most people don't understand peace in a positive way. In our culture, most people don't see peace in this way. All we know is the negative aspect of peace, like the absence of conflict, problems, or anxiety. But the idea of peace biblically is a lot broader than our modern thinking. The biblical concept is that peace isn't the absence of something. Peace is the presence of something. Wow. Now that changes the the game, doesn't it? At least for me. It's, It's not that that I'm missing something. That, that, that it, It's that God is wanting to give me something. It's all about what God, through the Holy Spirit, is wanting to do in my life. This is what Jesus talked about with his closest followers on the night just before he was going to the cross. Jesus talked about giving his followers what they would need to get through what they were going to face. Look at what he says. Jesus says, I Leave you peace. Now, he could have said a lot of things. He could have said strength. He could have said power, authority. I mean, He, he could have said a lot of things, but he said, no, I, I leave you peace. And then he goes on and he says, my peace. Wow. My peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world does so don't let your hearts be troubled anxious or afraid hmm. Now think about this Jesus has been talking in this context Jesus has been talking about going away about facing the cross about suffering about death and his followers were getting afraid and they were getting anxious and troubled and then Jesus says no 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 I give you peace don't don't be anxious don't be afraid I give you peace. I give you my peace. To me, this is one of the most touching moments of Jesus with his followers. Just hours before he faces the cross, who's he concerned about? His guys, his people. See, again, we see that peace isn't the absence of something. It's the presence of something. You see that? Jesus uses a Greek word for peace, which is actually the Greek translation of the Hebrew word shalom. And the Greek word is an interesting word. It's Irene. It it means at one or to join together or to have wholeness. Hmm. So later in the same conversation that Jesus is having, using this word Irene, Jesus says, I have told you all this. So this is think about in, in John uh, 14, 15, 16, and 17, he's, he's having this one conversation with his disciples, his closest followers in an enclosed room, just them alone at dinner. And he's telling them all this stuff. And he says, I've told you all of this so that you may have what? Peace. There it is again, Irenae peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart. Don't be anxious. Don't be afraid. Take heart, because I have overcome the world. Wow. I mean, Jesus is really clear, isn't he? He's saying, you're followers of mine. You're you're my closest followers. You're going to have troubles. You're going to have problems. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to have crisis. You're going to face things. It's not always going to be easy. But the peace that Jesus speaks about enables followers to remain calm in the midst of difficult circumstances. Look what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, may the Lord himself give you his peace at all times and in every situation. I don't know about you, but that's what I want to sign up for right there. Because I don't always have that. There's a lot of times where I feel anxiousness creeping in. Anybody else like me in that? Where there's a little bit of worry that starts trickling into my life and it's like, hmm, I don't like this feeling but I'm not sure what I can do about it. I'm beginning to feel a little bit tense and a little bit worried and a little bit anxious and I would love to sign up for what Paul says that God, the Lord, could give us his peace at all times in every situation. The Apostle Paul writes about two kinds of peace, really three, but we only have time to, t- to touch on two today. He talks about peace with God and then the peace of God. First, the, the peace with God comes from a relationship with God through Jesus. I want you to get that down on your outline. You should have a full-page outline, white page in your brochure. Fill that one in. Peace with God comes from a relationship with God through Jesus, Look at what Paul says. It's really clear. You can't miss it. I I don't have to do a lot of teaching on this. It's so clear. Paul says, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus has done for us. Peace with God. In Acts 10, it says, this is the message of good news, that there is peace with God through Jesus. It's pretty simple right there. It's very clear. Now, Paul explains it throughout different letters that he wrote to different groups of of believers, followers in different areas. In Colossians 1, look what Paul says. Through Christ, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace, Irene, with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you, who were once far away from God. You were enemies, his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now, he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ. And look at Paul kind of continues that thought in the letter to the Ephesians. Look what he says. You, have, you had no hope, you didn't know God, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are far away from God are brought near through the blood of Christ's death. Christ himself is our peace. Read that one with me out loud. Come on. Christ himself is our peace. Christ himself is our peace. So now, this is getting interesting. Now, it's not just Jesus saying, you need to have peace. I want to give you peace. I want to give you my peace. Paul is saying, he is peace. He is peace. This is one of the things that I experienced when my dad passed away years ago. I, uh, you know, I was 32. My dad had just turned 60. He passed away with cancer, and, and I, he and I were like best friends. I'd worked for him. It, it was an extremely difficult time, and you guys know that you were here as a part of that. It was a difficult time. It was a difficult year and a half, two years period for me. And mainly because of my job. I'll just be honest with you. It was very difficult for me to understand why God didn't heal my dad of cancer and yet I had to come on this platform every week and tell you that God was faithful. And, the, and there was a struggle going on in my life for well over a year and a half. And, and if you want to say a crisis of faith, which I don't always like to use that phrase, but it was kind of that. But but. All the way through this, and I, and, I, and I told my wife this, and I told people that I met with this, people that were kind of giving advice and counsel and prayers and all this, I was telling people around me, I'm feeling, I'm struggling, and I'm, and I'm experiencing all of these kinds of fear, fears and anxiety and questions and doubts and all this. But in the midst of all of this, I feel like he's with me. And I can't get away from his presence. And I had someone say to me, maybe that's what Paul says, that it's the peace that goes beyond understanding, like the passage we read earlier. And I said, wait, wait, what do you mean? And this person said to me, maybe the peace is not a feeling. Maybe the peace is a person and his name is Jesus. Christ, Paul says, Christ himself is our peace. Wow. And I know this is a really big concept. When, I, when this guy told me this, I'm like, my mind was blown. I've never thought that way before. That, that peace is found in Jesus because he is our peace. Jesus is is the direct source of our peace. Now I started kind of rolling this around in my head the last couple of weeks when I knew I was coming into this this talk about peace and and I remember we started off in John 15 that we started this series talking about the fruit and, and the vine and the branches. And we talked about how Jesus said, you know, that he is the vine and we are the branches and we're supposed to produce fruit and all of this. And I'm starting to connect the dots and it's just the way my mind works. And I started connecting the dots and I realized, hey, wait, 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 th- th- this all makes sense. If, if he's the direct source of peace, if he is our peace, like Paul says, and Jesus then begins to tell me that I need to stay connected to the vine to produce fruit. And we're gonna see what kind of fruit the Holy Spirit's gonna produce peace in me. So I, I need to stay connected to the one who is peace in order for me to have peace. Everybody follow that? That's exactly what Jesus says. Look, I am the true vine. Remain in me and I will remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit. If it is severed from the vine and you cannot be faithful, uh, fruitful, rather, unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Now, just like joy last week that we talked about, just like joy, what do we got to do? We got to remain in Jesus in order to produce fruit. And Paul tells us, what kind of fruit? We already read it. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, say the word with me, peace. He is, he is, Christ is, our peace. And if we stay connected to him, remain in him, the Holy Spirit will then produce peace in us. Wow. So unless we are at peace with God, through a relationship with Jesus, we will not experience the work of the Holy Spirit. And if we are not connected to Jesus, we won't experience the peace of God. And isn't it crazy, this isn't on my notes, but isn't it crazy that what does stress, what does anxiety, what does worry do to us? It causes us to disconnect from the things of Jesus. Jesus. Stress, worry, anxiety causes us to not spend time with him, to run to other sources. It it causes us to not spend time with God's people. Honestly, I think stress, anxiety sometimes causes us to not connect with his church. I'm telling you, friends, the best thing you can ever do if you are stressed and anxious is connect with Jesus connect with his followers because in the body of Christ and in the realness presence of Christ we find peace Hmm. we remain in him get this down the peace of God what is the peace of God peace of God is a settled trust in God settled trust It's, it's not a happy-go-lucky attitude. I've met people like that. And, and a lot of the times, I'll be honest with you, I've kind of looked at them and thought, wow, they really have peace in life. No, they don't. They're just that personality type, just happy-go-lucky. Everything is, you know, pie in the sky. Everything is fine. It, it's not, peace is not a contentment. You know, I'm just, you know, it's just the way it is. It's life is life, you know. No? Hmm. Peace is a is a stillness it's a it's a composure it's it's an overriding settled trust in god no matter what happens i'm trusting in god and i'm settled in that hmm. one of the best examples that i think there is in scripture is found in mark 4 i love this story i i if there's ever, there's a couple of stories, Mark 5 and Mark 4, and there's ever these stories that I, that I just want to read just to be um, encouraged and, to, and sometimes I'll be honest with you to kind of get a laugh about Jesus, this is one of them, okay? I mean, it, 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 uh, it's one of my favorite. Look what it says. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and they started out. Now let's stop for just a minute and think about who were some of the guys that, that Jesus had recruited to be a part of his 12. They were fishermen. They were professional fishermen. They were guys used to a boat. Seasickness did not affect them. I mean, Matthew, the tax collector, he might've got sick, but not, you know, Peter, James, John, these guys. These were professional fishermen. They were used to being out on the boat. It says, leaving the crowds behind, but soon a fierce storm came up. Now, you may or may not know this, but Mark, the Gospel of Mark, was written by a guy named John Mark, but, but he was um, really writing for Peter. So Peter's telling the story, Mark is writing it down. So Peter is telling Mark, write down that a storm came, wait, no, 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 Mark, write down a fierce storm, like a, a killer storm came up. Keep in mind, he's a professional fisherman, this is like a scene from Wicked Tuna or you know, one of those shows that's on TV where the storms are just kicking in and, and Peter is saying, dude, you would not have wanna be there because you would have lost your lunch. It was a bad storm that came on. High waves, it says, were breaking into the boat. Okay, this, this is not a big boat. This is a boat with a sail and you got 12 guys and Jesus in the boat and these waves are crashing into the boat and I would imagine at some point somebody starts bailing with something. You guys got a bucket here? I mean, because we're, we're taking on water. This is not looking good. And it began to fill with water and where was Jesus in the midst of all this? This is the funny part to me. It says Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. He had his posturpedic pillow, you know, memory foam pillow and you could hear him snoring. And I mean, these guys, these pro-fishermen, they're like, pull the sail, pull the sail, get the water, bell." You know, they're doing all these things. And Jesus is back in the back of the boat. You know what I see there? Peace. Total, settled trust in God. You say, well, of course, he was the son of God. Oh, hold on. We're going to get to this in our next series when we get into the Holy Spirit a little bit more and the gifts of the Spirit. Hold on here. Paul tells us in Philippians 2 that Jesus surrendered, gave up his rights as God and became fully man. So so this this was a crisis for Jesus too. This is... This is huge. So, he, yes, he was fully God, but he was fully man, too. So, so, you know, a boat going down is going to be a problem for him, too, right? Sometimes we think, oh, he's God, so he's not worried about it. So all the other guys may die, but Jesus will just float on the water, you know? No, no, this is a crisis. And he's, what is he doing? He's sleeping. Total peace. That's, man, that's some sound sleep. Having the peace of God in the midst of anything. And if you doubt the seriousness of the situation that these professional fishermen are concerned, look at what happens. The disciples woke him up gently. (laughs) No. They, they, They didn't gently anything at this point, right? They woke him up shouting, ready? Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? I don't know who said it. I would think it's Peter, I'll be honest with you, because Peter was like the most outspoken. But teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? We're, we're going down. And what are you, you're back here sleeping. At least help us bail. At least help us row this thing to shore. And notice, this is another funny part. Notice the slow movement. When Jesus woke up, don't don't you get that? It wasn't an immediate thing. It was like, just a minute. Okay, what's the problem? Just calm. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence. Now, this is just me, okay? This is just my attitude, my my approach to this, but in the Bible, it puts exclamation points. Silence, be still. Like he's yelling it. This is Jesus. I, I, I think it was more of silence. Be still. You know why? Because he had peace. He was peace. And it says, suddenly, the wind stopped, there was a calm. Have you ever seen waves calm like that? I mean, they're crashing over the boat, they're going crazy, and then all of a sudden, right? And he asked them, look what he asked them, don't miss this, why are you, what? Afraid, anxious, why are you anxious? Why are you worried? Then he says, do you still have no faith? You know what he's asking? Why are you anxious? Do you still not trust God? Friends, is Jesus asking you that question today? Why are you anxious? Do you still not trust God? I think this is why Jesus says to his followers way back in John 14, my peace I give to you. Because there's no real peace in the world. And we need the peace that only Jesus can give us. So how do you get this peace? Real quickly. We've seen it. We just didn't highlight it. Let me give two ways of how you get this peace. You want to get these down. First, I need to open my heart to the work of the Holy Spirit. I need to open my heart to the work of the Holy Spirit. Remember, that's what Jesus told us in John 14, that the, only, that the Holy Spirit's only work is, is to do what Jesus wants, And Paul tells us in Galatians 5 that the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. What does he produce? Love, joy, peace. So if you want peace, open up your heart to the work of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that none of us, and I repeat, none of us are open enough to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. All of us are missing out on what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. Open up your heart. Next, I need to talk to God about what I'm facing and feeling. By the way, he already knows this. (laughs) He's he's already privy to this information about you. He already knows what you're feeling, what you're facing. Look what the Apostle Paul tells us. We've already saw this passage. He says, don't worry about anything. How do you do that? That's my question to Paul. How? How? Don't worry about any, okay, I could say don't worry about some things, right? I mean, if you don't know, my wife's out of town. She's celebrating with her mom and dad and sister and brother-in-law. It's her mom and dad's 60th wedding anniversary, and they're back today. They're in New Hampshire. They attended church in New Hampshire, and go on Facebook. You'll see all her pictures and stuff. They've been having fun. But you know what I'm faced to worry about this week? The house. The house gets dirty. dirty. I didn't realize that, right? And so I, I, I have to. We have to, right, Brooke and Caleb. We get the vacuum out. I mean, we got. I got to make sure the kitchen sink keeps being emptied. It's amazing how it has always done that before. And I, maybe it was just like some magic fairies showed up and they would clean the sink out. But no, there's dishes in the sink that have to be put in the dishwasher. You know. So what I'm getting at is my wife does all of these things and now I'm worrying about these things. And there are certain things that I don't normally worry about. Drives her crazy. She gets up in the morning, early in the morning, and the first thing she does when she gets up is empties the sink and puts the dishes in the dishwasher because it drives her crazy to have dishes in her dishwasher. For me, that's not the first thing I get up and do. In fact, I don't even think about it most days until this week. And so I, there are certain things that I don't worry about. That's my point. I, I don't worry about those things. And, and so I could easily say, Paul, why don't you just change it to, don't worry about some things. Because there's some things I don't worry about, and that's really easy, but he says, no, don't worry about anything. Or you could put in the word everything. Wow. all things. Does any of you do this? Because if you do, you need to be teaching this today. Because I struggle with this. I worry about some things. So how am I to not supposed to worry about those things? Paul says, <laughs> Instead, pray about Everything, what is praying? Praying is talking to God. And he tells us, he goes on, he says, tell God what you need. Thank him for what he's done. Tell him what you need. Tell him tell Him what you're facing. Again, he already knows, I get that. But get it off your chest. Vent. Tell God what you're facing. Tell God what you're feeling. Tell God your frustrations. Tell God how you feel like things are out of control. Tell God this. You say, well, you know, I'm... I'm just not really comfortable with that. Then you're not comfortable with God. I mean, you read through the Psalms and you see a man who is extremely comfortable with God, so much so that he would vent to God. I don't know if you realize, when you read Psalms, it's a guy, most of them are David, writing how he's feeling and what he's facing, and life stinks, and I don't know why I'm going through this, God. Where are you, God, in the midst of all of it? He's saying this to God, and yet, you know what God calls him? A man after my own heart. He never called anyone else that. That's the kind of person I want to be. I want God to know me. I want him to know what I'm feeling, what I'm facing, my frustrations. I love what Peter tells us to do. Look what Peter says. Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Just like none of us are open enough to the Holy Spirit, none of us spend enough time talking to God. None of us. So as we wrap off, look at what the Apostle Paul encourages us to do. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Now I wonder, what would that look like? I wonder what that would look like. I believe, listen, I believe that if I have peace with God, I will experience the peace of God and it will help me live at peace with other people. That's the third part of peace that we didn't talk about today that Paul talks about. But, it, but if I have peace with God, I will have the peace of God and I will be able to live at peace with other people. That's how it works. And, and, and I don't have time to unpack all of this, but what would it look like for those around us if, if while we have storms in life, while we're facing crisis, while we're experiencing difficulties, while we're facing all of these things, what would it look like to those around us if we have peace? What would it look like to your coworkers and people at school, people in your neighborhood and in your family? What would it look like to them if they know you're going through some difficult times and yet you have peace? What would it look like to those around us if we had a settled trust in God and they saw it and they heard it and it was something that was so tangible in you that they would go, what is up with you? Your your life stinks right now. You're going through incredibly hard times and yet you are so peaceful, full of peace. What would it it do to them? What would it say to them? What would my peace say about God to those around me? That he could be trusted? That he comes through? Now, can we flip this? What does my anxiety and my worry and my stress say to those around me? when they know I'm a follower of Jesus.